welcome back to the Family Matters Podcast. This is Jackie Yay! and Kendra. We're finally back. I mean, to you, there's no time in between, but for us, it's been like a year. <laughs> it's been but, a while and a couple more kids. Yeah, so we got a lot going on. Okay, but we are going to talk about some fun stuff. Speaking of kids, we've kind of... Um, we're kind of over marriage at the moment. Not really. We're never over marriage. But we thought we'd talk about parenting just to change things up a bit. And today we're going to be introducing some positive parenting principles. And I'm actually going to let Kendra really take the lead on this because, lucky for all of you, she is kind of an expert. I wouldn't even say kind of. She is. She legitimately teaches classes on this stuff and has seen the research, done the research, knows a lot of stuff. So listen up and I will be asking plenty of questions as we go. So Kendra, do you want to go ahead and introduce our topic a little bit or get going? Sure. Sure. Okay. So so we're talking about parenting and um, there's so many different things we could talk about, but um, we thought we would start with what we think is the beginning, um, which is how to have a good relationship with your child. And we're going to talk about how to do that. We're also going to talk about why it's important. How children are parented affects the people that they become. I think that that's the first most obvious assumption that we're all making here. Um, what parents do matters. I'll tell you a funny story. There's a really good book I really enjoy called Bringing Up Bebe. It's about this American journalist who's raising her kids in France. And she's curious as to why the French kids around her all seem so well behaved when her kids are like bouncing off the walls and throwing food at the restaurants and stuff. And she, so she's, she's on this quest to find out why French children are so well behaved. But she makes a comment, which I think is interesting, um, sort of early in the book. And she says, now, let it be known that I think Parisian women the Parisian women raising them are actually incredibly snobbish and not very friendly and materialistic and introverted. And it occurred to me after reading the book and actually reading it twice and several years later that maybe the kind of practices that French parents use on their children don't just make well-behaved children, they turn them into French adults. And <laughs> like, you have to look at what kind of adults do you want your kids to be and are the things you're doing as a parent helping them to get there. So the biggest name in parenting research is Diana Baumrind, who did a study in 1966 that talked about parenting styles. A lot of our listeners have probably heard of some of these before. Mm -hmm. She described them as authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, neglectful. And these have been sort of uh, added on to over the years and modified here and there. But really, they're, they're pretty simplistic and they don't show us... Uh, a really wide range of, of behaviors by either parents or towards children. And so I think it helps us to look at some things that are a little bit more complex. Every parent has values. Everybody has certain things that they want their kids to become, um, but our priorities may be in a different order. So let me just give you an example. Diana Baumrin found that uh, parents who were authoritarian, um, and she defines that as lots of limits, no freedom, not a lot of love, um, the kids who were raised in that style tended to be obedient, obviously, but they also tended to be very distrustful and withdrawn and unhappy, uh, didn't tend to be high achievers, and they often rebelled against that really strict, stringent uh, treatment. Um, on the other hand, parents who were very permissive, who were very lax, parents didn't make a lot of demands on their children, didn't punish them. Those uh, children, strangely enough, grew up to be the most aggressive, the least self-reliant, the least self-controlled. And weirdly enough, of all four parenting types, permissive parents had the least happy children. Isn't that interesting? Hmm, that the is parents interesting. who were all toys and fun and games and no rules yeah. had the most unhappy children. Kids want those boundaries, right? Right. So again, the way that we treat children influences who they become. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about like, okay, let's be honest. What kind of people do I want my kids to become? Yeah. You know, I, I uh, volunteered in Uganda for several months, and I remember that the kids there were not particularly good at critical thinking. Um, they weren't encouraged to do a lot of creativity, um, but they were very obedient because that was really important to parents hmm. and, and the society there, as opposed to the States where 
you know, we're okay with people not being super obedient because it's really important to us that kids learn to stand up for themselves, that they learn how to negotiate, you know, and so we may be willing to sacrifice the value of obedience in favor of those other things. Hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So again, be honest with yourself and say like, okay, what are the most important things to me? Like, what do I really truly want from my children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, sorry, I'm just sitting here nodding. So for those of you who haven't been paying attention uh, throughout these series, I, I have three little kids and actually I am pregnant with my fourth as we speak. So I'm just kind of representing the parents in the crowd listening um, that, yeah, you know, that this really, because, you know, we all know how it is in the day-to-day you know, I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and I'm pregnant, and I'm in the thick of child training, right? And you have these experiences where so often you're like, what do I do? How do I handle this situation? And so I, I love this tool of stepping back and thinking like, who ultimately do I want my child to become? What values do I want him or her to have? What, you know, what should I be prioritizing in my own life within myself so that that will leak into who they are? So would you recommend, Kendra, just like actually writing out these things that, that you think are important? Because I think sometimes we think we need to like value everything and then that just stresses us, stresses us out. You yeah, know? no, it but does. Like, I mean, it is stressful. There's so many things, you know, like... And, and everything from the importance of obedience and critical thinking to the importance of patriotism and um, mm-hmm. organization yeah. <laughs> and uh, the importance of valuing yeah. science. Uh, you know, like uh, there's so, yeah. so many things and we can't do everything. So let's focus mm-hmm. on the things that are most important to you. And I think that's a great idea. Make a list and prioritize them and give them to your spouse or your partner and have them rank them as well and see see where you might differ and, and have a conversation. And I think that mm-hmm. might go a long way to making sure that both of you are at least on the same page as far as what your end goal is for your family. And that way, mm-hmm. when you're looking at specific practices, specific parenting methods, you can say, is this going to help our children to get closer to where we want them to be? Exactly. And especially in this day and age where, um, we, there's so many options. There's so many different ways to go about. I mean, you can be the family that plays every sport under the sun and spends all of your extra time at the baseball field and in the gym, or you can be the family that loves to sit together and read or the family that loves to do science experiments or there's so many different options. And, and I think again, like figuring out who you are as a person and what, what matters to you and then you know, letting your values kind of drive how you parent and then also making peace with that, not constantly looking to what other people are doing. Agreed. But anyways. Agreed. And you have to be yourself, right? I mean, that's, I think both of us are willing to admit that as the mothers of multiple children that, you know, you can't try and parent like somebody else's parenting. Like you have to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the goal Mm -hmm. is how can we tweak what you're doing to be effective and how can we help you? I think, I think for me, the goal for this podcast and kind of what we do on parenting in general is to give you something to think about. And I think if you can keep these ideas in your head, I think your practices will naturally follow, I think, more so than than if you're just responding to the moment by moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I always hesitate when, you know, I like to read a lot of parenting books just out of curiosity and also because, again, I'm in the thick of it. Um, and I, I initially hesitate when people try to give me a formula for when little Joey does this, you respond with this. Right. Because the truth is there are no formulas that will work in all circumstances. It's as we understand principles that, you know, as they become a part of who we are, they leak into how we treat our kids and, and how we respond to them and, and the relationships we build. So yeah. we won't be telling you exactly what to do. But again, this whole podcast, at least today, is to give you ideas on how to have a more positive relationship with your kiddos. Right. So, anyways. So, so kind of some, some things that we want to mention just up front before we kind of go into tips and methodology. Number one is obviously kids are going to become not the person that you want them to become. They're going to become like you, uh, if we're being honest. Um, especially, <laughs> um, especially, this is especially important for people who didn't grow up in a home that was particularly positive. Uh, and it is especially true when disciplining children. We tend to react based on 
the way that we were treated as children when we are disciplining children more so than in any other time because it is a very reactive type of thing so again trying to be positive and trying to to look to good examples and trying to change ourselves as much as we can people don't grow up to become like their parents want them to they grow up to become their parents um, and I think that is especially true when, when kids start imitating things that we do and say, have, have you had that happen, Jackie? <laughs> oh, absolutely, Kendra. I'm just sitting here dying like, yep. And, you know, both the good and the bad. Like, I will hear my son say something in my exact same tone of voice. And, you know, one thing, so again, with my little, my, I have this little one-year-old. His name is Matt, is Max. We call him Mad Max because he's crazy. And he is learning about, you know, he, he has this strong will and he's stubborn and sometimes he gets really frustrated and he wants to hit. And when I, when my first son was one years old, I just like, I didn't not know what to do about that. You know, the pediatrician told me, put him in a little timeout and, but he was one, I don't know, there's lots of different ideas, but, but one thing that I've learned is that however I respond to my kids, that is how they, you know, they watch me regulate my own emotions yeah. and that teaches them how to regulate theirs. Right. So now what we do is I take his little hand and I kiss it and I say gentle and love, gentle and love. And I give him kisses and he sits in my lap and we kiss his little hands and whoever he hit, you know, my little, he usually hits my little three-year-old and um, my little three-year-old sits down by him and holds his hand and says, Maxie, gentle and love, show gentle and love. And I know that if we can just continually respond that way, number one, it just takes away this, um, it takes away like the anger and it helps them feel safe and helps them recognize like we, we don't use our hands to hit, we show gentle and love. And I'm happy to say that it is working, you guys. It's amazing because great. with my first one, he was never a real hitter, but he had other behaviors that were, you know, not good and really difficult to work with. And, and yeah, responding emotionally like out of anger myself or even just being frazzled, that didn't really help. That really just scared him and um, kind of created this distance. So my point with that is, um, and just for the record, like I am still learning. I don't, you know, I'm sure plenty of my mishaps will come out in stories throughout the time, but, but I am learning that how I respond to my kids and how I respond in showing love to them and, and helping them to learn how to regulate their, the big emotions that they feel, that will help them, you know, better than any sort of I don't know, formula, or, or, do you know what I mean? It's who Absolutely. I am that will have such the greatest effect on who they become. Right. So. I was thinking about this actually just this afternoon. I, I, I could not, for some reason, hold on to anything. I just had like the buttery, butteriest fingers ever. <laughs> I had this box of blueberries that I must have picked up three times. I kept knocking it over. And I remember the first time I knocked it, I was like, really? Seriously? Frickin'. And, uh, yeah. and I, just, I had this thought. I was like, you know, my son is watching me. My son is mm -hmm. seeing how I respond to things going wrong. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, the rest of the times that I knocked over the blue rares, I was like, okay, I made a mess. I'm picking it up, you know. And, yeah. again, if I can handle it and I can show him that I can handle it, he does the same. Yeah. So set a good yeah. example. Yeah. And if mm -hmm. you can't or if, there's, or if there's things that you're currently doing in your life that you hope your kids don't do, then set a goal to change it. You can do that. Mm -hmm. you say, look, yeah. I do want a better control of my temper. I want to be able to mm -hmm. handle disappointment better. Mm -hmm. I want to not be reactive. I want to, mm -hmm. you know, one of my big things right now is I don't want my kid to think I'm lazy. Like, I, I feel like every time he's up early in the morning, he's excited and ready to seize the day. And I'm like, Bleh, you know, and I lay in I know. bed as oh, long as word. I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I want to, I want him to see that I'm the kind of person who gets out of bed and seizes the day. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm working <laughs> yeah. on. So set a goal and and be in, and yeah. and help your have your spouse and your kids be involved as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Jackie. And which, by the way, I just you know just keeping it real here with everybody, all of us have many things that we're like oh no, I don't, I hope my kid isn't this way. I hope he doesn't take on these bad characteristics I have or whatever. And, and the point here is not to guilt anybody or, you know, start a shame fest by any means. Sure, but, yeah. um, so just know like, uh, we all have things to work on, yes. but it's, it's just this point that like, 
you know, as we are continually striving to progress and become better people, our kids will see that and they'll know. And I really think kids give so much grace. They really, really do. They do. Um, they learn from ultimately who we are, but they also love us, especially these little, little ones. They just love us unconditionally. Um, another thing I would say is, Kendra, I'm curious about your opinion about this. Hopefully this isn't a bad thing. But as my son has gotten older, I have chosen, you know, Carter and I, Carter's my husband, um, I make mistakes as a mom all the time. Um, and I feel like it's important for me to apologize to my son and to tell him like, hey, mm -hmm. mommy didn't do that right and I'm sorry. Because that shows them that like, you know what, we're human and we, we mess up and that behave, you know, I'll tell him because the times that I don't react well, you know, I have to start over just like he has to start over because we mm -hmm. all have big emotions that we don't deal with correctly, whether it's dropping the blueberries and you, you know, a certain word slips out that shouldn't have slipped out or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, all sorts of things. And so I think that showing your kids like, you know, mom is trying to do better and just like you get to try to do better and we're all working on ourselves. And, and I almost think that gives kids permission to, um, to know that it's okay that they're not perfect, but that they should continue to try to be. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? I'm a huge fan of apologizing to your kids. Again, there's sort of two philosophies. If you think that I need to show my kid that I'm the authority figure and that I'm the parent, and therefore I'm the one who's right. I'm, I'm right. Mm -hmm. And you, and you never apologize to your kids. Your kids will never apologize to anyone um, unless mm -hmm. you force it from them. Um, apologizing yeah. to your children when you make mistakes lets your kids know that it's okay to apologize when they make mistakes. And I, I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful habit for them to gain and they will gain it from you. So, mm -hmm. and um, the okay. same thing goes okay. with showing respect. But I find that sometimes parents say, I don't need to respect my kids. That's ridiculous. They need to respect me. And <laughs> I've found in my experience that kids learn how to respect people in general from the way that mm -hmm. you treat them. Um, yeah. so I don't know, maybe some thoughts, Jackie, how do you, how do you show respect to kids? Like they're well, just they're, kids. They're, well, they're, you know, but they're people, right? And, um, you know, there's, there's continual correction. So for example, I have, again, my little five-year-old, um, I read once that four-year-olds ask about 400 questions a day. I don't think that's accurate. I think it's more like 800, at least my four-year-old. Maybe, you know, that's he great. wants to know everything. He wants to talk constantly. He wants to be a part of every conversation, um, at least with people he's comfortable with. And, and he's a little person. I want to listen to him. And, you know, and show him, like, I'm interested in what you think and what you say, and you're a person, and you're you're great, you're inspiring. But at the same time, like, part of him learning to be respectful is learning to not interrupt, is learning that there are appropriate times to talk and there are not appropriate times to talk. And so it's sitting down and teaching him and playing little games to, you know, so my favorite way to teach my little, little ones is telling them stories. They... Mm -hmm they understand concepts yeah. when I, you know, I'm always telling them about Freddy Frog and Benny Frog and Freddy's the good frog and Benny make, Benny has a hard time. And, you know, kind of telling, showing them the same circumstance, whatever just happened that didn't go so well, telling that, that in a story and, and, you know, letting them tell me, okay, what, what should Benny have done, you know, versus what he chose to anyways. I love but that. But the point is you can, can, you can, Discipline, and I, I think of discipline as discipline means to teach. Um, I think when, you know, you hear the word discipline, your mind might automatically go to, I don't know, like angry, spanking, whatever. I think it means to teach. And when I think about parenting, I think about taking these little ones by the hand, these little ones who are experiencing life and experiencing all that life throws at us, the, the pain, the disappointment, the difficulties, and helping them to, to regulate themselves, to be kind and thoughtful and respectful people. And that comes, you know, you know, you can either have people obey you out of love or out of fear. I want my kids to obey me out of love and they're not going to obey me out of love if I'm constantly belittling them. If I'm mm -hmm. constantly nagging and being mean and critical and speaking to them in an, in an angry voice. And yeah. that doesn't mean I let them get away with poor behavior by any means, but it means that I need to be a safe place that, that, someone that they want to please and someone that they listen to. And mm -hmm. I'm saying all this like I have it perfectly and I'm telling you, I've got, you know, this is a work in progress here, people. But I just, you know, what I've learned, again, my my oldest is only five, so I'm still learning so much. But, but I just really think that 
they do listen. They do want to please you. And mm-hmm. especially as you respond with love and, and encouragement in, in our, um, what's the word? When you are, you persevere, you are, oh, you know, constant. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Consistent, um, I don't know. Consistent, that's it. You got to be consistent. You got to have your expectations and be consistent, but be gentle and kind in it. And also recognize that, um, how would you want someone to treat you? Like, let's say that your wallet started floating away in the middle of people, like, and you had a tantrum. How would you want someone to help you with that? You know, would you want them to like scream at you and, and be angry and mean? Or would you want them to like hold your hand and look you in the eye and help you calm down? Well, when your son's balloon flies off, that's like his wallet flying away. You know, <laughs> he's a little person and, he, and that balloon matters to him. And, and helping him to both understand, okay, it's fine that you're sad that the balloon f- flew away. That's really sad. But, but we also can't scream in the middle of, you know, the park with everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just finding that balance of of loving and seeing where they're at and, and trying to understand how they feel and letting them know that, that what they're feeling is okay, but here's the proper way to deal with what we're feeling. You know right. what I mean? Absolutely. And I think, I think you brought up another good point, which is helping parents to see things through their ch- children's eyes, right? And mm-hmm. what are they seeing? How are they perceiving the situation? Because ultimately, if you want t- your kid to grow up to be the kind of person that you want them to become, it doesn't really matter what your perception of the situation is, mm-hmm. right? It matters what theirs is. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think all of our interactions with children should be seen in, in light of that. Like, what are, what is my children's, what, what is my child seeing right now? Mm-hmm. What are they perceiving? Yeah. Um, how are they taking this? And and I think that perfectly segues into kind of talking about the power of positive parenting. So Dr. Glenn Latham wrote the book called The Power of Positive Parenting, and his is very focused on behavioral and interventions for children. Whatever kind of adult you want your child to become, we need to talk about how to teach and mold them effectively into that. And that begins with a, a strong relationship. Um, have you ever heard the expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? Mm-hmm. Uh, the same is true for children. So your ability to influence them begins with the quality of your relationship with them before you can encourage or persuade or teach or correct or discipline your children need to know that you love and trust them. And this invites them to love and trust you. Like Jackie just gave the perfect example about that. So this is from, this is from the power of positive parenting. Um, he says physical ills and misfortunes can be largely prevented by eating well, keeping out of our body, those things which would harm it, getting plenty of rest and proper exercise, etc. These are all very positive, proactive things. And when we practice them, we heighten the probability that we will be in good physical health. By the same token, there are preventative things we can do which remarkably heighten the probability that we will have a healthy home and pleasant, even delightful relationships with our children. We do this by going out of our way to be positive in our interactions with our children, by acknowledging their good behavior, and by clearly communicating to our children what we expect of them. Then, when they meet those expectations, we pay attention to that behavior. There is no better way to establish a positive, supportive, constructive environment in your home than by being positive, supportive, and constructive in our interactions with another in the family. And then he underlines this in big capital letters. There is no better way. You will never beat goodness and good sense into your kids. Mm-hmm. You will never be successful at shouting and screaming happiness and compliance into their okay, lives. Okay, can we just so, say that again yeah, loud and proud? Because I can't tell you how yeah. many people say that to me. Like, you know, uh, yeah. like the biggest, okay, this is maybe controversial and might make some people mad, but I feel like it's so hypocritical to scream at your child to be quiet. You want screaming at your child to be quiet or screaming at your child because they're being angry and throwing a tantrum. And you know, it, it happens. Sometimes parents blow it, but, but do you see the hypocrisy there or, or like spanking your child and credit, you know, over being angry and how you spank them after they have, you know, shown violent behavior themselves. And, you know, and there's different yeah. opinions about spanking and, and like, you know, you do what feels right to you. But, but to me, it's like, if I am a parent, 
I will never beat my child into feeling good. I loved what what you just quoted there because it's so true. You're not going to force your kid through coercion Mm -hmm. to feel or be good. It's not going to work. If if they demonstrate good behavior, it's going to be out of fear. Either they're eventually going to start like not paying attention to you and withdrawing from you or they're going to be obedient out of fear and it's not going to be from their heart and that's not what we want Mm -hmm. so we've got to start we've got to have this relationship that's based off of positivity i i heard um i had a i took a parenting class i actually took several as part of my degree and and one thing my professor really hit home is the power of like you know, five positive things for for every negative. And at the time I had a little mm-hmm. two-year-old who was a, very much a little two-year-old. And I thought, I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, more, he hears no out of my mouth more than anything else. And, yeah, you know, yeah. those positive things can be as little as a sweet touch, you know, but, but I have, you guys, I have learned this. And again, I'm not trying to put myself on this, you know, I know everything as a parent, but I'm so excited that I've learned that they respond to positivity, especially they really these do. little kids. They do. It's like, try it. Yeah. <laughs> these little kids, especially because they, you know, little kids really are so forgiving. They just love you. Like if you're blessed to still have little kids, I know that they can be hard. And it's, you know, I, I was looking at this list of like things you should do. You should pr- well, maybe we haven't talked about that yet, you know, but just different <laughs> okay. ways to be positive. And, and I know with really little babies, you may be thinking, how can I like, how can I, you know, my little one-year-old who doesn't understand words yet, like how can I redirect them and, and, and use, you know, and it's like just, just being so excited and loving and happy and sharing kisses and love every time they do something right. And then kindly and lovingly redirecting them when they do something wrong like they will eat that up you guys so anyways okay I'm just excited yeah no that's (laughs) that's perfect no it's perfect and I I think I mean if we want to go a step further we talked about this with Gottman in your marriages as well five positive interactions for every negative interaction and the negative interaction doesn't you have to be like well well it's not my fault that that happened it doesn't really matter it just it happened. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure that we counteract that with positivity. So mm-hmm. you have five times that you show love and you agree and you make eye contact and you smile and you compliment and, you know, all the things in the five love languages, mm-hmm. right? We, we do all of those things to counteract the time that we are late in picking them up mm-hmm. or that we have to disagree with something that they say or that we accidentally embarrass them in public or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Yeah. So at least five positive t- to one negative. And Gottman says that's the formula for happy marriage. And it's probably the same formula for a happy parent as mm-hmm. well. So building a, p- a positive relationship with your child is not just about having a happy home and, and for everybody to like each other, but it's actually the foundational principle to everything else you need to do as a parent. I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, so my grandfather actually passed away last month and, um, he told me this story about when he was a young father and he had a teenage son who was off the rails and off the rails in the 1970s meant he had an afro <laughs> and he went surf he went surfing on Sundays and you know was just you know general all around disrespectful and didn't like his dad didn't want to spend time with the family yeah. and one day my grandfather had to make a long road trip for something and he invited his son to come on the road trip as well to help drive and he said you know what Scott I'll I'll out him his it was this is Michael Scott <laughs> he says um you know what? Let's let's make this a road trip. Let's make let's have fun. How about you plan the road trip? How about you decide where we go? You you decide where we stop, you decide where we eat, you decide what we do. Okay? And he was like, "You mean it, really?" And he said, "Yeah, it's it's all on you. You, you go ahead and we can do this however you want to do it." And so they made this this long road trip and it took about 2 days and I don't know all the details, but you know, Scott just loved taking his dad to all the places he wanted to go and eating what he wanted to eat. And for the first time, my grandpa just kind of took off his, his disciplinarian hat and just went with it. Mm -hmm. And just, they just spent time together. And I don't think my grandpa's never been a particularly expressive person. There probably weren't lots of uh, you know, I love you and you're, I'm proud of you, son. He probably never said those things, but he spent time with his son and did things that he cared about. And when they got home, Scott got out of the car and turned to his dad and said, 
hey dad thanks a lot and he went in the house and said hi mom and gave her a hug she was so shocked she came out and looked at her husband was like what did you just do to my son (laughs) but from then on he was a different boy he was a different boy and and you know, my grandpa said, oh, I'm sure it's just because, uh, you know, he needed a break or something. But that's not the reason yeah. that Scott changed. He changed because he saw that his dad loved yes. him. And that despite all of the expectations and all of the ways that he, he, made, he felt like he was letting him down or all the conflicts that they had had, his, his dad was willing to set those things aside in order to show his son that he loved him. And so that's the first principle is we need to show love to, we need to be able to show love to our kids completely unrelated to anything we want them to do, anything we want them to stop, nothing manipulative about it. We just need to show love completely untethered to anything else. Absolutely. And, and a huge, a huge thing that I've learned as a parent, um, one of the biggest inhibitors, I don't know if that's a word, to my just disciplining out of love showing love first is my pride is you know Mm. sometimes we turn our kids into our trophies and when they are having Mm. a hard time in whatever ways we make it about us and we get embarrassed or ashamed or we think what is so-and-so gonna think of me because my kid is behaving this way and then we parent you know we we want to stop that because we feel ashamed and that it you know that I think that it is so important that we let our kids be individuals who, you know, let our sense of self-worth not be tied to the performance of our children. Because if we make them into our trophies, then we're being selfish. You know, can you better articulate what I'm trying to say? Because No, that makes sense. Instead of Instead of kids' behavior being about whether or not it, this is good for them. It becomes whether or not this is good for whether you. Whether or not this right? is making me like, look I, good. I want a quiet house. I want a clean mm-hmm. house and you are ruining it for or, me. Or, you know, right? you um, know, Scott is being rebellious and that is embarrassing because everybody at church yes, yeah. is going to mm-hmm. think Everybody's my judging son me, right? is the bad, you know, so I'm going to show him who's boss. He's locked in his room until he shapes up because, sure. you know, that's going to work. Like what teenager <laughs> has ever work, been locked teenagers. up in their room for a summer <laughs> and come out, you know, at dad, you're and right. And came out, it's like, forgive yeah. me, father. Right. I've had a change of heart. Like, okay, whatever. Maybe that works somewhere. But anyways, okay. So Um, absolutely. Um, So I taught parenting classes in Durham in North Carolina for a while. And there was a, um, a program that we used called the incredible years and they use what's called the parenting pyramid. And I'm going to refer back to this a lot through the podcasts we do on parenting. So we're going to show a picture of it on, uh, on, in the the notes for this. Mm Um, but I'll kind of describe it right now. So there's a pyramid and kind of like the food guide pyramid, which we don't use anymore. But the idea is that the things at the bottom of the pyramid are the things you should do the most often. And as, and like Gottman's seven principles, the more you do the things at the bottom, the less you need to do things at the top. So the very first level of the pyramid is reinforcing your relationship with your kids. And again, when your kids know that you love them and you trust them, like Scott, they will naturally be more likely to do what you ask them to do. They'll naturally be more likely to comply, to listen, to follow your example, um, if you have a good relationship with them to begin with. So let's talk about how to do that. So Glenn Latham in the book, he talks about what he calls the four rules of the day. He says, these should be things that you do every day. And by the way, all of these should be things that we're doing every day Mm -hmm. in, in reinforcing our relationship. So number one, he says is catch every member of your family doing something right or doing something pleasant. Mm -hmm. Never let a day go by without saying something pleasant, complimentary, and positive to every member of your family. Every member? I don't know if I have time to be that nice to my family. Yes, you do. Yeah, yes, you do. It takes a second. <laughs> it takes a second. And, but you're right. Like you said, you have to kind of let down your pride and say, mm-hmm. you know, you continuing to be angry doesn't really teach your kids anything. You might as well get over it and move on to, to being positive. Okay. Number two, each day have an appropriate positive physical interaction with your children and spouse. So he says, you know, hugs and kisses are, are real and lots of science backs up the fact that physical contact, positive physical contact is important for emotional health. Mm-hmm. It's not a sign of weakness. It communicates a lot, especially to people where touch is, you know, your primary love language. Mm-hmm. Number three, never say degrading or demeaning things to your children or spouse. 
Well, I can't even believe I have to say that, but like shocker, that's important. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? So let's talk about this for a second. How do you, how can you show discipline and like, let somebody know, especially if a kid has done something really terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you discipline without demeaning? I guess. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's brilliant because so I'm I'm this is totally off the cuff, you guys. I'm just spitballing here. So Kendra, you correct me. Um but I think it becomes demeaning when you turn it when you when you make the kid feel as though there is something fundamentally wrong with them, with who they are. Mm. Um, for example, saying, you know, you are such a brat. You you treat me like garbage. You are such a brat to me. You know, just like calling, it's name calling. It's name it's calling. Not, yeah, that's a big um, one. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's making them feel like they, who they are is just, is just not good enough. Um, disciplining. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's go back to this, you know, maybe the teenage daughter who is just not, is not talking respectfully um you know that is something that's not okay that needs to be addressed but you know calling her a brat would be demeaning but then talking to her saying um i you you may not speak to me that way and it looks like you need to go and take some time to rest or to get you know but when you're ready to talk to me we can talk or i don't you know <laughs> again totally off the cuff but it's addressing the behavior it's addressing um, what what happens? Not who the child is. Does that make sense? Right. Because I believe as yeah, I like that. Focus on behavior. Yeah, as parents, mm -hmm. if we don't believe our children are fundamentally amazing individuals who have so much to offer the world, that's our job as a parent. If we don't believe mm -hmm. that, who will? You know. And I'm not saying that if mm -hmm. you know if you listening did not have parents who believed in you. I'm not saying well you're toast. No one can believe in you now. But <laughs> I just mean like, you know, we need to know. It certainly starts the mat on the wrong. Exactly. Foot. Yeah. Like we need to let our kids know that they are amazing and they have something to offer. They really do. Mm -hmm. And that if they act in a certain way that is not appropriate, it's beneath them. It's beneath who they are. You know, and, and you have mm -hmm. high expectations of them because of who they are. Um, yeah, so. you're better than that. Exactly. Right? I like that. But anyways, what do you That's think, really Kendra? Cool. No, I agree. I, I think, like you said, focusing on the behavior instead of the person. Name calling and demeaning language, negative language. It's, it's not, um, there's no evidence to support that that helps kids to change their behavior or to be better in the future. It just kind of knocks them down. And I want to say something um, else about that. Yeah. It is very easy to be demeaning to your kids because it's acceptable amongst so yeah, many circles. It's true. You mm -hmm. know, and it can be as I, I really believe that just speaking to your kids in very rudely, like even if nothing you said is rude, like for example, if your son walks through the room while you're working on something and you needed it quiet saying, what are you doing in here? Get out. I need it quiet in here. What are you doing? You know, if we are speaking to our kids like they're these dumb idiots who are in our way, that's what we're saying to them. Nonverbal communication matters just as much as verbal communication. And if we are so stressed out that we cannot manage to speak kindly to our kids, then, then we need to look at our priorities. And I know that this Amen. is hard, yeah. you guys, because we, you know, all parents struggle. Like, I am right in the thick of it, too. But... But how we speak to our kids, what we say to them, you know, what comes across from us to them matters. And how often do we turn our kids into our punching bags? You know, it's like you're so nice to everybody else, but then you take out your frustration on your kids. Like, why is that okay? You know, you if you did that in a marriage, lots of people do that in a marriage, and like then their marriage goes to pot and you know, like how we treat our family matters. And that's anyways, that's what we're saying here. Yeah, It matters for our benefit. It matters for the benefit of the, of sort of the environment of the family. And it matters to those individual kids because guess what? They don't stay kids forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're going to grow up and be adults who say mm -hmm. those things and mm -hmm. act that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, his fourth, his fourth tip, which I think is really insightful is um, when both the husband and wife are in the home, openly show affection to and for one another. Mm -hmm. And this is not a tip about marriage. This is a tip about parenting. A great American religious leader observes that the greatest gift 
a father can give to his children is to love their mother. So I think that that is awesome advice as far as how to build a strong relationship with your kids. Make sure that you have a good relationship with their spouse. That is very, very key. Yeah, it gives them such uh, stability, right? Like Mm -hmm. just that foundational stability of like, okay, all is well in my home. Like mom and dad are good. So then they can, they're free to like, you know, worry and do other things. Whereas if that foundation is uh, is uh, under stress, you know, that plays a huge role in, in their own stress. And if you're having a hard time in your marriage, that is so important to address for the sake of your kids. Right. So having a positive relationship with your kids shouldn't be a, you know, it should be not a no brainer, but this should be something that is pretty intuitive. You say, how can I show love to my kids? And it's going to be different depending on the child, depending on their age, their gender, like where you're at in life. But obviously it should involve listening and problem solving and spending time together, showing empathy. Um, All of those things help kids build their self-esteem, Um, It builds attachment between parents and kids. And like I said, it encourages the kind of behaviors that you're looking for as well. Um, I wanted to share something specific about young children and um, building a strong relationship with young children. I used to teach parents how to play with their kids. Are you curious how to play with your kids? <laughs> have you are you the kind of parent that's like I don't know how to play with kids. This is just not my my cup of tea. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some there's some general principles that we use when teaching parents how to play with their kids in order, like I said, to build a strong relationship with your kids that allows you to have better have greater influence with them later on. So um, I'm going to talk about these uh, these five principles. We call these the pride skills. And in something called parent-child interaction therapy I used to do, we would basically teach parents how to do play therapy with their own kids. And these are parents who have had kids in child protective services or they themselves have been in child protective services when they were younger or they have a kid with disabilities. So these are families that are under a lot of stress. So we sit with mm-hmm. them with a, a big pile of toys and we talk about the pride skills. So pride stands for praise, reflect, imitate, describe, and be enthusiastic. And just really quickly, um, what kinds of things should you be saying to your children while you're playing with them and spending time? You should be praising them. Kids do not get spoiled by praise. That's a myth. Tell them Mm -hmm. what a great job they're doing. Tell them how much you love them. Be specific. And kids, by listening to that, they feel valued and they know that what they're doing is important to you. Number two, R is for reflect. Especially young children who are just learning to speak. When they're talking, talk back. Reflect the things that they've said. Let them know that you're paying attention. I is for imitate. If your kid is drawing stick figures, don't draw the Mona Lisa. Your kids don't need that from you. (laughs) Spend time being at their level. Do the things that they're doing, that they're enjoying. And again, kids notice that you're paying attention to them and they really, really love that. Um, Mm -hmm. D stands for describe. That's another thing you can do to encourage their language development is talk about what they're doing and praise what they're doing. And obviously we want to do that enthusiastically. That lets kids know that we care about them and that we're excited to spend time with them. And I will just say we, we would tell parents who don't have any time. These are, again, parents who are under a lot of stress. We'd say Mm -hmm. set aside five minutes a day, five uninterrupted minutes a day when you will play with your children and you won't do anything else and do these things. What, what should you not be doing just during those five minutes? Don't be negative. Don't tell your kids to do anything. Don't give any commands. Just enjoy them. Just talk about and praise them. Because Mm -hmm. if you give commands, you're also presenting the opportunity for them to disobey. And then, you know, we Mm -hmm. get that whole power struggle in place. So just don't ask them to do anything. Just have fun together for Mm -hmm. those five minutes a day. Another thing, um, especially with young children that we tell parents to avoid is asking questions. And parents love asking questions of children. What are you doing? What are you going to draw? Where are you going? And here's the thing. Not only do kids not usually know the answer to those questions because they don't necessarily have their future activities planned out or, or uh, like Jackie said, what are you doing? Like kids don't know what they're doing, they're just yeah. making it up as they go. But questions are also a form of command, right? It's a way that we are expecting our kids to do something for us or respond mm-hmm. in a certain way. And again, for at least the, those five minutes a day that we're playing with kids and when, especially when you're with older kids, to not, not put them on the spot. And with older children, 
good questions may be really important to talk about how they're doing, um, to talk about their friends, but obviously doing it in open-ended, not prying or condemnative ways. We're not going to say things like, are you still hanging out with that guy? Or how are you doing in English anyway? You know, we want to ask questions that encourage kids to talk about the things that they want to talk about. And I have found marvelous results from doing this. You'll kids just eat this up. So if you spend time with kids praising, reflecting, imitating, describing, and being enthusiastic, they feel like, you know what? This person is on my team. They care about me. I would, I would venture to say that if you are having regular behavioral issues with a child before trying anything else, do this. Because Mm -hmm. if you will just spend uninterrupted time loving on them, just being with them, playing with them, letting them kind of call the shot on what you do, like, you know, doing these things, praise, reflect, imitate, describe, be enthusiastic. I think that solves most problems, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I don't have easy kids, you know, I really don't. I don't, does anyone, you know, um, (laughs) but I, but this works for my kids and, um, and I don't know. I, I think it works with everyone. And we're not saying that you never need to give commands or ask questions or that there aren't times when oh, you can't spend a lot of time with your kids. We're just saying that you should always set aside some time a day mm-hmm. where those things are not on the table, where you let your kid know in no uncertain terms that you are on their side, that you are on yeah. their side. And that makes, again, a world of a difference to kids, just that small amount of time. I mean, if it doesn't happen every day for you, or if you're like, well, I mean, it kind of happens. I mean, sometimes I have to check my phone and sometimes Mm -hmm. people come, you know, but like, I, I mostly try, you like, try Mm -hmm. it, try setting aside some time every day to just spend. And if it's young kids to play together, if it's older kids, maybe it's to sit down and have a conversation where Mm -hmm. you don't ask about anything that is uh, Mm -hmm. a sensitive subject. Don't ask about the, the clothes that they're wearing that you Mm -hmm. hate or that boyfriend you hate, or Mm -hmm. just talk about their guitar music because that's what they love. Yeah. Talk about what, what, what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I know one mom who puts, um, cookie dough, cookie dough in her fridge and like little cookie balls and with her little, with not her little teenagers, with her teenagers when, you know, just to spend some time with them, she'd pop a couple in the oven and have them hot and ready and then be like, Hey, you want to come and eat some cookies with me? Mm -hmm. And they would just be together, you know, and just have that time and let whatever came up, came up in the conversation. Um, so I had another thought come that I wanted to share. So all of these things, take deliberation they take proactivity they are emotionally taxing to be a positive emotionally controlled loving parent is not easy (laughs) it's it's not not easy it doesn't just happen and i really think that this is what every parent wants so then the question is okay why doesn't it happen i think that there are several culprits but some off the top of my head and you know we can do maybe a future podcast about this more but just just for you know a moment i want to talk about this i think that some i think most parents are really stressed out about a lot of things i finished my degree a year ago and for my my oldest boy the first four years of his life mama was doing school because he can't he was born it's a long story but basically i ended up needing to finish school as a mom and that was hard and i know there are lots of parents who are juggling a lot of responsibilities and some of those responsibilities are non-negotiable um but i think that recognizing that these things take our emotional energy and that therefore we need to make sure we save enough energy for them. Mm -hmm. So taking time to fill our emotional buckets is important. Letting, saying no to some things, it is perfectly okay to say no to making homemade treats for the PTA sale so that you can have the energy to not scream at your child when he is, because he's struggling with, I don't know, something like you know it takes time and effort to help our kids with certain things that they're going through and if you don't have that time then then we need to you need to look at your schedule and look at and figure out what needs to go Mm -hmm. because if having a good positive relationship with your child is important to you it's going to take effort and time and energy and it's going to take your presence 
This mm-hmm. isn't something that you can just delegate to somebody else, to, I don't know, grandma or a babysitter or whatever. You know, this is going to take you being there, loving them, showing up, being emotionally prepared to help them. And that means that you need to take care of your own emotional stuff and make sure you have the capacity. And, and as you know, you will know how to do that best. But I just think that's so important to say because parents you know, we know this stuff. We know this stuff. So then the question is, why aren't we doing it? Well, let's figure out why and let's make the time and and the effort. And I think that in this day and age, the amount of effort, the amount of emotional effort that parenting takes is not, we don't talk about it. You know, we kind of treat parenting like babysitting. You just kind of are there and you just make sure the kid's alive and that's enough. And Mm -hmm. again, this is probably a topic for another day, but, but no, positive parenting is very proactive and it takes a lot of energy. So mm-hmm. mamas and daddies, make sure that you're you're giving yourself the renewal that you need to to put in this time because it is well worth the sacrifice. It is. It's worth it. And it's not a lot of work. It's a little bit of work that has to be done consistently, like mm-hmm. watering a plant, because that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're growing little tiny people plants. And mm-hmm. and the little amount of effort that we put in every day to show love builds relationships in a powerful way that lasts for a lifetime. I know both of us just, you know, we've, we've experienced this in our families. We've done it wrong and we've done it. We sometimes do it right. <laughs> Jackie probably does it right more often than I do. Nope. But, um, <laughs> just, but just like we talked about with Gottman, you know, building love maps with our spouse, go where your children are going, see what they see. Um, think about what they're seeing and feeling and what, what, what do they love? What's frustrating to them? And, and the more we try and see the world through our children's eyes, the better able we will be to, to meet their needs, um, to show compassion and understanding, and uh, to be the kind of parents that they need. So we just really encourage you, again, after this podcast, number one, we hope that you'll recognize how important you are in the lives of your kids and shaping who they become, that you will try and become the person you want them to become and set goals for yourself. And also that you will try and create a firm, solid foundation for the rest of your life with your children by growing your relationship with them, by showing love um, in any way you can, and hopefully in some of the ways that we've we've explained, um, and by doing that every single day. And like I said, it's a little bit of work, but it's mostly, it's a, it's a work of love. It literally is a labor of love. That's what it is. It's just love. And if we can show love, um, amazing things happen. Miraculous things happen. I know that that, I know that's true. So, Absolutely. Anyway. Well, thank you, Kendra. I think this has been so helpful. It's been helpful for me at least. So my kids will benefit. But <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us today on the Family Matters podcast. And we hope that you will tune in next time and join us for another episode. Okay. Thanks, thank guys. you. Thanks. Bye.